Hi, this is Bob Bergen. This is Porky Pig. We're the next guest on our screen, and we'll be on, folks. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak, your host. And on this week's episode of On Screen and Beyond, we have a guest he was Porky Pig in Space Jam. He's been Marvin the Martian. He's done all kinds of voiceovers. He was also the host of Jeff, which was a uh, kids or teen-oriented Jeopardy-style show. And it's all sorts of stuff that he's done. You're going to find out all about it. He's coming up on our guest interview, coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So stick around for that. Bob Bergen is going to be joining us. And I also want to remind you to go to onscreenandbeyond.com. That's our website. And uh, join in our poll question. And the question is, which movie will win this year's Oscar? Okay, you just go to the front page, home page of On Screen and Beyond. Scroll down to the very bottom, and it's right down there. Cast your vote. Uh, see if we can figure out what's going to win. they got ten this year, ten movies. It's uh, unusual that the way they're doing it. They usually have only five, but they've got ten this year. So... Anyways, uh, also, I want to thank you all for sending emails and suggestions for future guests. We really appreciate when you, you send us an email, and uh, it's always fun to hear what you have to say. And I uh, want to thank you for that. And also, your suggestions for guests. Uh, sometimes we don't think of the people that you're thinking of. And uh, when you tell us, we see what we can do. We can see if we can uh, come across those people and uh, connect with them, get them to come on the show. And we've got a great lineup. Uh, there's a lot of people who are coming up and uh, getting on on screen and beyond. So uh, stick around for that. And also, if you'd like to uh, ask these people a question, every once in a while, when we get them to agree to it beforehand, we uh, will post something on our website uh, down toward the poll question area on the front page where uh, we'll tell you uh, who is going to be a future guest. And you can send us an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and we might use your question in the interview when we ask uh, that question to the guest. And uh, we've got one up there right now that you still have a chance to get to. Uh, those of you that are listening right off here, not, not you know, uh, a little bit later on in the archives. But uh, Dick Van Patten's going to be our guest. That's right. Dick was on 8 is Enough and everything. So um, if you've got a question for Dick, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Got to do it quick, though, because uh, we're going to be interviewing him very shortly. And uh, let's see, that's about it for now, things that I want to remind you about. But coming up next, let's take a look at Remake Madness, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, the remake of Teen Wolf that we talked about a while back is still going on. And they have a director now. Uh, he was the director of Highlander, and that's Russell Mulcahy. And he's been put in charge of the new Teen Wolf movie. And uh, the father of the original Teen Wolf uh, with Michael J. Fox was, of course, James Hampton. And he was a past guest on On Screen and Beyond. And you can hear him talk about that film and all the things that were going on. And you can just go to onscreenandbeyond.com, click on our OSB reruns, and check it out. He's out there. And let's see, a remake of The Shadow may be in the works. It uh, was originally in the 30s and 40s, a radio show. And in 1994, it was a movie with Alec Baldwin. Didn't do very well uh, in the radio years, so it was huge. 
And uh, they're going to try to take another crack at that one. So that's it for Remake Madness and On Screen Beyond. Coming up next, we'll take a look at upcoming movies. As far as upcoming movies, 2011 will bring us an untitled Mel Gibson and Leonardo DiCaprio film. It's right now in the treatment stage, so uh, it's, it's moving along. But they're looking to start filming at the end of this year, so they got to really get going on that one. And DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese will work together again in a film called Cash. Now, that's C-A-C-H-E, and it's slated as in development with a 2011 release on that one. DiCaprio's kind of busy. And Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez will star in The Way. It's about an American father who travels to France to recover the body of his estranged son. Right. And that's about it for upcoming movies. Next, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. As far as sequels, well, Disney's Enchanted 2, which has been talked about for a while, has finally been given the go-ahead, and the sequel to Enchanted has uh, hired a writer and a director to lead the way. So they're moving along on that one. And it looks like Transformers 3 will follow Hollywood's latest gimmick to get more money out of you. And they may be moving to have it filmed in 3D. And The Fast and the Furious is getting a fifth film, and it'll be called Fast Five, and will feature Vin Diesel and Paul Walker together once again. That's it for sequels. And next, TV on DVD, right here at On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Well, as far as TV on DVD, The Virginian Season 1 Part 1 and The Virginian Season 1 Part 2 will be available around March 9th at Sam's Clubs and Costco stores before general release is available everywhere else. It will also be available at Timeless Media Group website. All right, And it starred James Drury, of course, who was a wonderful guest on On Screen and Beyond. And you can hear that interview by going to onscreenandbeyond.com. And go to our rerun page and look for episode 37. It's a great uh, interview with him. He talks about all sorts of stuff. Great guy. And on May 4th, Marcus Welby, MD, Season 1, hits stores in a seven-disc set, which will include the double-length pilot TV movie. And on uh, June 15th, Leave it to Beaver, Season 3, and Leave it to Beaver, the complete series. That's a 37-disc box set. That's huge. And let's see. I want to remind you, too, that we had Tony Dow, who played Wally, and Ken Osman, who played Eddie Haskell as past guests. And Tony Dow's episode was um, 17, and Ken Osman was 27. So you might want to check those out, too. We got a lot of interesting DVDs coming out, and a lot of them have been guests. A lot of the stars have been guests on our show, so you can check those out, hear about the shows and things like that. Kind of neat to play around with that. Anyways. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, movies on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. 
Movies on DVD on March 23rd, The Fantastic Mr. Fox comes to DVD. Also on March 23rd, look for the classic African Queen with Humphrey Bogart to come to Blu-ray. And on March 20th, The Twilight Saga, New Moon, comes to DVD and Blu-ray. That's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, our guest, Bob Bergen, talks with us about... um, is Porky Pig time. Uh, he still does the voice of Porky Pig and Tweety and uh, Marvin the Martian. And he was the voice of Comet in the t- the movie um, uh, The Santa Claus. And it's just so many things he talks about. He talks about how he came into doing voiceovers and all sorts of stuff. It's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> You've heard this week's guest as Porky Pig, Tweety, and Marvin the Martian in Space Jam, Bucky the Squirrel in Disney's The Emperor's New School, Comet in The Santa Claus, and more shows and movies than I can mention. It's Bob Bergen. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Bob. Hey, Brian. What's going on? Hey, it's nice to have you have you over as a guest. Look, hey, it's nice to be here. <laughs> I can't even talk. Not, you know, I got to say, stuttering is not good for the career. <laughs> It's, it's. I guess it's because I got Porky Pig on on the show that um, <laughs> that's right. It's, it's done me well. <laughs> now, Bob, uh, I don't know where to start because there's so many different things that you've done, and uh, you know, h- how do you come up with so many different voices? Is it easier to do a an established voice like the Porky Pig, and naturally you weren't the first one to do that, or a new voice like a Comet? How, no, it's actually it? much easier to create something new. Mm-hmm. Um, to have to uh, replicate uh, something that somebody else has done, you know, it's not just the voice, it's the personality, it's the timing, and there's so much of the original actor that's a part of the, the, the character. Um, in fact, I have to tell you, when you know, I've been doing Porky, next year will be 20 years. Wow. Um, I don't, people say, you know, do you do Mel Blanc? No, I don't do Mel Blanc. I don't come close to Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc was an original, and nobody can replace him. I just try to kind of uphold the uh, the integrity of the character itself. But when it comes to creating something new, nobody will compare you to something that existed before. So there's a little pressure oh. off your shoulders for when you create something new. But for the for the you know um, classic characters, it's hard. I can imagine because people would, you know, always compare this. You know, it's a little bit different. And right, like right. And, you know, I don't think any of us sound exactly like Mel. Um, you know, some of us come closer than others. But, you know, it, they're, it, they're tough shoes to sell. Oh, so yeah. I do my best to just play the characters as best as possible. Now, how did you get started in this, this crazy business of <laughs> voiceovers? Well, I wanted to be Porky Pig since I was about five years old. That, oh, was, really? a, that was a goal in life. and. Um, my mom said, you can't be Porky Pig, you're Jewish. I didn't quite know what that meant because we're more ish than Jew. But um, we, I grew up in the Midwest, and the idea or the concept of wanting to do voices for cartoons as a career um, didn't exist in my little head. Mm-hmm. So at 14, my dad informed the family that he's taken a job out in Los Angeles. So I knew that's where cartoons were done, so I just, the, the day we arrived, I just picked up the telephone and called any number in the yellow pages that said animation or cartoons, and I called Hanna-Barbera. They referred me to a guy named Dawes Butler, who is the mm-hmm. voice of Yogi Bear and Huckleberry Hound, uh-huh. 
and Dawes had a, a voiceover class, and I joined his voiceover class Wednesday nights uh, in his home in Beverly Hills for, gosh, about on and off for about 10 years. Wow. And, but then I ended up studying voiceover with everybody in L.A. because I, I realized that you can't make a living on one character. Even I mean, the, the odds that I would get a chance to even play that one character were slim. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted to get into the business of doing voices for cartoons. So fortunately, um, I got my first job and my first agent a week out of high school. So I was in the business pursuing a career in voiceover um, at the time that Warner Brothers needed uh, people to audition for the Lincolns in about 1990. Hmm. Now, when you started taking classes with, with Dawes Butler, now, I mean, you know, he's a classic. Yeah. Uh, were you in awe of, of just sitting there, you know, here you are, you're, you, you know, you want to do this type of thing, and, and you're working with, you know, somebody who's, you know, I mean, he's Yogi Bear. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in awe of calling him. You know, Hanna-Barbera said, here's his number, and I was like, his home number? <laughs> and they said, yeah, so I called him up, and, you know, I was just, you know, my name is Bob, and I just moved here from the Midwest, and I want to do voices for cartoons. He was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, come to my workshop, I, you know, just... It's ten bucks or a handshake. That's what his class cost. Ten bucks or a handshake, whatever he had that week. Uh-huh. And he had a, a guest house in back of his house. And he walked in with there's a big conference room sized table, and thousands, literally thousands, of stuffed animals and animation cells and toys of all the characters he's done mm-hmm. over the years. And he put out a plate of butter cookies and whipped out the scripts that he had written. And we all worked from uh, original scripts and. Dawes' whole thing was it really isn't the voice, it's about the acting, it's what you do with the words, which is what I teach my students now. You know, the voice is a, is a part of the character, but, you know, the, the script is a skeleton, your job is to give it a body, and that body exists in your imagination, but you've got to bring it to life. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit later on, about uh, your voice classes and things like that, so people can... Uh get in touch with you and, you know, uh, I presume through your website and everything and, and talk oh, yeah. about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you can contact me throughout. I got lots of email addresses on my website. Yeah. Um, now, so when you started, uh, who was your idol at that point? Uh, was it Dawes or was that it Mel? That was actually Mel. Really? Mel was my idol. Um, I knew Dawes's work. Um, I actually met Dawes about a week before I started taking his class. Um, when I called him about his workshop, he, um, he told me that he was appearing at an animation festival and asked me if I was interested in going. And I went to the festival with my little tape recorder and um, bumped into him and said, would you do some voices on my tape recorder? And uh, I have that recording on my website somewhere. I don't mm-hmm. on a page. Yep, I, saw I forget that. where. But uh, I met June Foray that day. I met um, Bill Scott, who was the voice of Bullwinkle. I met uh, Hans Conried, who was Snidely Whiplash. It was like... Mm-hmm. It was it was really cool for a kid who's into cartoons. It was like you know meeting the all stars. Oh yeah, Jeez. but I, Mel was always my my number one idol. And to be honest, I didn't know anybody else wanted to do this for a living but me. When I when I started pursuing it, I just thought, well, what an odd career choice. There can't be anybody else. But you know, there's oodles of people trying to do this all the time. And right. competition's even worse right now. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's. I mean, technology has allowed people to pursue this and you know have home studios really good quality home studios for under 500 bucks mm-hmm. and you know animation is not as widespread around the country as commercial voiceover but people are able to pursue voiceover in a way that I was would have never been able to uh, years ago in the Midwest 
Yeah. Well, we, we've had different people on who have done, who do voiceover work, uh, including uh, Debbie Derryberry. Oh, I just had a session with Debbie. Oh, really? An hour ago. It's too funny. Yes. Huh. Yeah. She's terrific. Yeah. A, a couple of years ago, I directed Deb in a, uh, a voiceover for a movie that we were doing. Oh, very and, cool. Uh, she's, uh, she, she's quite a character. <laughs> yeah, she's a sweetie. Yeah. You, you say there's a lot of people that are doing it, but do you, are there a lot of you who do, you know, like you do uh, uh, Porky Pig? Over the Looney Tunes? What's yeah, there's a handful of us. Um, and over the years, there have been, you know, about a dozen sharing the characters. And, um, you know, the characters they've had me do over the years, some of the ones I've done are Porky, Tweety, Marvin the Martian, Speedy Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Hubie and Birdie, Sylvester Jr., um, there are a couple of us that have done Tweety. There's a couple of us that have done Marvin, and there's a whole bunch of Bugs Bunnies. So it really depends. There's a lot of factors involved as to who gets what job. Sometimes it, it could be a negotiation thing. Sometimes it's, well, this producer prefers this actor. The thing is, none of us have a contract as the, as a, you know, the on paper voice of these characters, mm-hmm. because Mel Blanc was the voice. You've been in different uh, shows and movies, like we were saying. Uh, are there any that were particularly challenging to you? Oh, you know, man, a lot of them. And sometimes I always find that I do my best work or I come up with the most creative stuff when I'm terrified. I think a lot of actors will sometimes look at a script and go, I know I'm going to take this part because it scares me. Um, I remember one of the first major films I did was a movie called Gremlins. Mm. And... I just remember they there was something about something in the film. Oh, I know what it was. They, they do the sound of a gremlin exploding in a microwave. And I think that was actually for my audition. And I said, well, can I see what it looks like? And they said, no, it's top secret. And I said, well, can you explain what happens? And, yeah, it goes in the microwave. Some, someone turns on it and it explodes. I said, so do you want to hear the sound of the guts hitting the, the, the inside of the, of the machine? We don't know. Do you want to hear a voice? We don't know. What does the voice sound like? We don't know. <laughs> Is it big or small? We can't tell you. So, you know, that's intimidating. That's scary. So he's kind of, you know, the, the secret that I tell my students is it doesn't matter what the job is or what the character is. Just make a choice and commit to it. Hmm. And once you commit to it, nobody can say what you're doing is wrong. They may decide to go someplace else or right. with somebody else. But you commit to your choices, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be believable. It's going to be real. Uh, that was a challenge. I'd say, um, oh gosh, uh, Comet the Reindeer, I think, was a challenge because the care its like it was like Bucky the Squirrel in the Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. These characters don't speak English, but they have to convey emotion and right. story. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a challenge. Uh, Luke Skywalker was a challenge because I don't do Mark Hamill. Well, that's what I was going to ask you: is when you did Luke Skywalker, did, were you? trying to be, you know, like Mark Hamill? Or? No, I actually, in fact, I, I turned down the audition originally because I told my agent, I can't do Mark. Mark can do Mark. Mark's a good Mark. <laughs> and the people at LucasArts kind of asked if I would come in anyway, and when I got to the first audition, they said, don't do Mark, do Luke Skywalker. Hmm. And so they played me some clips from the films, and there were two different versions of Luke, one pre-Jedi, one post-Jedi, and his character evolved, and the character changed. So Mark's old Luke Skywalker voice from the 70s is kind of like mine. He's kind of young and, you know, all-American. I just really concentrated on the the character traits. And, you know, I guess, you know, it it worked. So uh, I've been doing that that 
for, oh gosh, about 15 years or so now. Jeez, yeah. And, and now, you mentioned Comet in, in the, Santa, the movie The Santa Claus. I mean, <laughs> how do you make a, a reindeer voice? I mean... You know, um, yeah, uh, I, I watched the film, I look at the script, um, Michael Lembeck was the director. Now, in, in this case, did they already have the, the filming of the... It had already been filmed, so I was able to see what the character or the puppet looked like, uh-huh. and it was an animatronic sort of thing, yeah. and, I, and they gave me the lines that the comet was trying to convey, so I just tried different things and you know i would try a voice mike would say that's too high that's too low can you sound more empathetic can you sound more hungry so i would just i remember um you know just throwing and he'd go yeah that's great let's do that one exactly the same and i was like i don't know what i did <laughs> but, but, but but thank god for playback now, is that, yeah, that, that's the thing. Is it tough to sometimes remember what you were doing, you know, what the voice sounded like that you were Sure, doing? yeah. Sometimes you'll have an audition on a Monday, and you'll have a callback, you know, four Mondays later. Hmm. Um, I'd say 99% of my auditions are in my home studio, so at least I have a reference I can listen to at home before I go to a callback. But oftentimes at a callback, or even at a session, they'll play you your original audition so you can remember what right. you did. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, when we went back and did Santa Claus 3, I was fortunate that I was able to rent Santa Claus 2 and, oh. you know, re- re- refresh my memory of what the character sounded like. Yeah, oh, yeah, geez. That, that, I mean, that was quite a few years in between, so. It was. It was a while in between. So, um, and it was Mike again directing, so that was nice. But, you know, um, that is kind of sort of their job. Their job is to get the performance out of you. Um, Your job is to be creative, and it's definitely collaborative. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you also uh, have been in front of the camera before, too. You uh, were the host of Jep. Yeah, uh, which was a kid's version of Jeopardy. Yep. Yeah. How was that, doing that? Was that the first time you were in front of the camera? Uh, hosting a game show, yeah. I did a lot of sitcom work in the 80s. I did um, The Facts of Life and mm-hmm. Give Me a Break and Silver Spoons and One Day at a Time. Um, but I hadn't hosted before. Um, I actually got Jep. I got Jep because I was in New York on a talk show promoting the film Space Jam. And a talent agent in Los Angeles who represented TV hosts saw me and called me up and said, you were quite entertaining. Would you ever consider hosting? And I said, well, not really, but thank you for asking. And my, uh, my voiceover agent I told her what had happened, and she said, well, don't be an idiot. If they know your face, I can get you more for your voice. Hmm. So I called this agent up, and I said, well, I've never done this before. I don't want to do anything controversial. Um, I don't want anything, you know, 
Jerry Springer or Geraldo with chairs being thrown in my face, things like that. So the first thing they sent me on was the show Jep, which was a kid's version of Jeopardy with the same producers. Mm -hmm. And after about six or seven auditions, I, I got a screen test. It was me and four other guys. And the screen test was on the set of Jeopardy at Sony Pictures, where they basically put me through an episode of Jeopardy. And the three contestants were three kids of the studio executives. So I walked up to each kid before my screen test, and I said, okay, kids, make me look good. I'll buy you each a car. <laughs> and then when we started playing the game, one of the, one of the categories that came up was famous cartoon characters. So for every clue, I did the voice. Ah. I mean, it was like uh, this clue would be, um, he's smarter than the average bear. This clue would be, uh, oh, his girlfriend is olive oil. <laughs> and so at the end of the screen test, the producer came up to me and said, you know, your, 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 your screen test went great, but have you ever thought of doing voiceover? <laughs> and I said, well, see, that's my day job. Huh. Which, you know, I mean, people who do on camera don't know voiceover. People who right. do commercial voiceover don't necessarily know. I mean, I was the voice of Disney Channel for five years, and when I first got the job, they asked me if I was comfortable doing character voices. I said, sure, yeah, absolutely. What you got? Throw them at me. So, so they, so they, they never. Not, what's that? They never look to, to to look at your background. No, not really. They they're really interested in the audition you're doing today. Yeah. Huh. So they, it's not like on camera where you go with a picture and resume. You just send in your audition. Wow. Huh. So um, now, do you have what do you have for advice for beginners who want to become uh, a voiceover person? Uh, well, first of all, um, become a good actor first. Study acting. If you're in a town that has community theater, go for it. Take acting classes. Improv, I think, is the best training that anybody can do, no matter what your, your end result goals are. Voiceover, Shakespeare, I don't care. Improv is great training. Get to the point where you're a good, solid actor, and then study voiceover. Um, in smaller markets, there aren't a lot of classes, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, um, tons of classes there. Uh, I take my, my animation voiceover class around the country doing weekend classes, which are really just two-day, let me get a taste of what this is all about sort of things. Mm -hmm. But I studied voiceover. I was in class at least two or three days a week for four solid years before I, I got my first agent. And then it took me another five years of trial and error before I was able to make a living at this. So it was a nine-year journey. Oh, yeah. So people can't expect, if this is what you really want to do, you can't expect to take a couple of classes and say, okay, now I'm ready. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, when I've talked to different people about uh, voiceovers, uh, I always ask, uh, do you enjoy the freedom of being behind a microphone and not in front of the camera when you do your voiceovers? Uh, you know, like some people say they go in their pajamas, basically. <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, you know, I went to a session today and did a couple of spots for uh, for uh, Disneyland wearing, you know, a baseball cap and having shaved for three days. It's, yeah. it's terrific because no one's going to say, you know, you sound scruffy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a luxury. I've got a home booth, home studio where, you know, I pour myself that cup of coffee in the morning. I walk in. Doesn't matter what I wear to bed. Nobody can hear in my voice that I'm, you know, wearing a 20-year-old robe with holes. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is a luxury to be able to do that and work creatively as a performer. And also the um, the fact that you can, you know, go to a restaurant, be a working actor, and 
people don't watch you chew. Right. It's, yeah. it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking with Joanne Worley a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we. She's so shy. Oh yes. <laughs> And she, she was saying how she enjoyed being, you know, uh, doing the voiceovers because she says, you know, I, I don't have to wear makeup or anything like that. Yeah, it's great. It, 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 it is definitely creatively. It's a luxury. Uh, also, you know, it's kind of fun. You don't know what your next character is going to be. You know, I mean, when you do a movie or even a sitcom, you're probably that same character for quite some time. Different situations, but, the, but you're the same character. Right. I don't know whether I'm going to be an announcer or a turtle, right? <laughs> in my next job, it's 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 creatively, it's 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 really cool. Uh-huh. Now, as far as your classes, uh, how long have you been teaching? Uh, January will be twenty three years. Wow. Yeah. So, and you said, uh, do you do it? Uh, I know you just came back from New York uh-huh. of teaching. Uh, do you do it in other places like L.A. and? Oh yeah. Well, my L.A. class, I do three eight-week classes a year, and then I do about four or five weekend classes around the country, and I'm doing one in Toronto next year as well. So, um, you know, I've I've taught in Orlando, I've taught in Chicago. Um, Dallas, all over the place. Next year, we're talking uh, Toronto, possibly St. Louis, possibly Houston, uh, possibly back to New York, possibly Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So um, I really just you know put the feelers out there and see who's interested. If I get 15 people interested, the class is full. Yeah. Usually, once we put a notice out on some of the, the voiceover forums, they fill pretty fast. Huh. Yeah. And, uh, now, where can people get information about that, so if they wanted to check it out? You know, I've got my website, BobBergen.com. I've got uh, a Facebook page called All Things Bob Bergen, which lists where my classes are, my one-man show, that sort of thing. So all, all people need to do is pop me a note, say, hey, I live in this city, let me know, and I'll pass your information on to my producer, and we'll see if we can put something together. But, I, you know, if, if people just want to pick my brain, ask me questions, I answer all my emails. Um, if you have a home studio and you want to, play with some voices, got a demo you want critiqued, you can send it to me. I say don't send me anything over a minute long because it gets pretty tedious after that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the way this business works is you need guidance. You need people who are willing to, um, you know, just give you a listen, so I'm more than happy to. Wow, that's that's great. Um, now, you mentioned you, you, about your one-man show. Uh, uh-huh. So here's the deal, right? Right, yeah, the story of a nice Jewish boy who wanted to be Porky Pig. <laughs> So, uh, give us a little idea of what, what goes on in that. You know, I take people through the journey of a kid who at five wanted to be Porky Pig, and by the two-thirds of the way through the show, meets his goal. And all the obstacles and ups and downs and fun anecdotal stories that happen in between. Um, I, you know, tell the story of how I figured, you know, the best person to call to get the job of Porky Pig would be Mel Blank. This is when I was 14. So... My dad grabbed, went around, went around town and got every white page phone book he could find uh, because there's, you know, L.A.'s huge. There's a white page phone book for mm-hmm. every street corner, and I started calling every blank and blank in the books. And I finally found Mel Blank's phone number under his wife's name, and I taped the conversation. I think that's on my website as well, yeah. which is completely illegal. I don't advise people do that, <laughs> but it's been a long time now, so I think I'm, I'm okay. Now, do you have any uh, early clips of you doing voices? Yeah, I think if you if there's a page on my site called Cool Clips, I think I might have 
one of my first voiceover classes there. Um, I've got a whole bunch of outtakes, things like that. I kept every recording I ever did in a voiceover class, so I've got pretty much... But before the voiceover classes, when you were a kid just even thinking about it, do you have any recordings? Oh, I've got tons of that, yeah, and that's up on my site, too. You know, oh, really, really bad, you know, <laughs> nine-year-old trying to do Porky Pig. Uh, the stutter was pretty good, but, you know, puberty helped a lot. <laughs> Those must be interesting to listen to after after years. Well, you know, you kind of cringe. I'll, I'll go to a movie that I'm in, and I'm, I'm not a good I'm not a good audience for my own work because really? I'll be like, oh, one more take that would have been better. So, listening back to me as a kid trying to do it, 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 it kind of makes me cringe a little bit. But then I got to think, well, you know, I was doing something right because I I did okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now you also uh, uh, got in touch with Casey Kasem. Well, I had a friend of the family um, who knew Casey, and when I graduated high school, he asked Casey to send me an autographed headshot, and I sent Casey a thank you note with a, you know, P.S., I'd like your job, and I included (laughs) my phone number, and he called me up, and he asked me, you know, I'd been studying voiceover, but I didn't have a demo, so he said, make a homemade demo, do as many voices as you can, and I think the tape that I sent to Casey is on my site, too. Uh, he gave it to his agent, Don Pitts, who called me up and signed me on as uh, my first agent. And um, I was with Don for five years. Hmm. Do you remember what your very first uh, paid voiceover was? Yeah, it was a cartoon called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Hmm. And I remember I was sandwiched in between two actors. One was Mike Bell, one was Frank Welker. And uh, Mike Bell is famous for the voice of back in the 60s and 70s right, and 80s yeah. and Frank Welker was a voiceover god I mean he was Fred on Scooby-Doo and oh. thousands and thousands of characters so I'm feeling like I'm in between Jesus and God <laughs> and I was just like you know in heaven and I remember like about a month after the session I got this envelope in the mail with a check with my name on it and I kept thinking wow who's sending me money and I, it dawned on me, oh, yeah, they pay you for this. Because, I mean, you know, I was just doing it for the love of it. I right. totally forgotten that it's, it can be a career, too. Yeah. Now I look forward to those checks. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nice to have yeah, some that, money. That, that, that part of me has, you know, I, I, I'm, full, I'm fully aware that the check will be in the mail. <laughs> well, gee, uh, Bob, this has been great. Uh, I really had a good time talking with you. Uh, oh, my pleasure. But I got one more question sure. here, or actually two. Okay. That we we we've been lately. We've been asking our our guests uh, just to sort of answer this question, so it gets people to know you personally. Uh, uh, as far as television shows, what are the type of TV shows that you enjoy? What are your two favorite TV shows, new or old? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, just two, because I'm a TV addict. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, all the family, all time favorite sitcom. Hmm. Um, current TV shows, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Lost, um, oh my gosh, American Idol, Amazing Race, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of TV Land, I can watch reruns for days, you know, give me a couch and a clicker, see, that shows how old I am, I say clicker, um, I'm a happy guy if you've got, I've got a big screen TV with surround sound. Yeah, I'm a huge TV fan. Now, what about uh, movies? Movies? Um, let's see. Wow. 
um, classic films, anything with uh, Jack Lemmon or Jimmy Stewart, two of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could say something cliche like It's a Wonderful Life, The Wizard of Oz, but they're brilliant movies. Right, yeah. Um, Tootsie, Mrs. Doubtfire. I love seeing character actors. Um, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm, a, I'm an easy audience. I like to, uh, I like to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's been a lot of fun having you on the show, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's my pleasure, Brian. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll put a link to your site on our website so people can go to it, and uh, thank you very much. And not a pork link. I want to thank Bob so much for taking the time to talk to us. He was a great guest, a lot of fun to talk with, and, um, you know, he just... So, so many things he told us about. So anyways, I uh, want to remind you, too, to check out onscreenandbeyond.com. And, of course, uh, like I said earlier, we always are trying to post our future guests on there. So you can send us an email with your questions that we can ask them on the air when we do the interview. So um, if you uh, want to check that out, uh, it, it changes all the time. Right now, Dick Van Patten is up there. If you have a question for Dick Van Patten, send it to us very quickly because shortly we'll be doing that interview we need the questions. Um, if you're listening in the future, when uh, you know we, ha- we have uh, already done that show, I'm sorry you missed out on that one. But uh, keep checking the site because we're always putting up somebody who we may be interviewing, and you have a chance to ask them a question. All right. So that's about it for episode 97 of On Screen and Beyond. Uh, we appreciate you coming and sharing your time with us each week, and hope you're enjoying it. Let us know. Send us an e- email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you. Till then, this is Brian Zimmerak. Take care.